Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. Today's episode is a little bit different because this episode was actually recorded live on Instagram with Lumi Heller. And just to give you guys a little bit of a background story, because I know I always appreciate that, um, Blimi was posting on her Instagram a little bit about basically the division of responsibility and responsive feeding. So the, the goal, like the feeding model, which I use with my clients and I help them implement with their children. Um, she was posting about it on her Instagram and I just responded something like, thank you so much for, for bringing this to people's attention and for spreading awareness. And she goes, would you want, would you want to come, come on alive with me? And I'm like, uh, I don't have enough, like, <laughs> I don't have enough yeses in my head to say, I don't know if that made sense, but I was like, yes, I'll be there. Um, I just love spreading this message and I love to share and I love that just to, I don't know, empower moms and dads and parents that like there is not one way of feeding and that it doesn't have to be a power struggle. And I know that different people struggle with different things and I'll just make room for all that because I know I'll always get those, you know, people who, um, who it doesn't work for them or they don't feel like it works for them or it's too hard to implement, whatever. And I hear you and I see you, but for many, many people, I find that this is a very empowering way to go about meal time. Um, so we recorded the live on Instagram and I was able to upload it right here directly to the podcast. As promised, here it is. Um, I just wanted to take a moment to say I'm really excited to say that I am running group counseling as of January. I'm recruiting now. I hope to take about five people um, to start. Um, we will be meeting once a week on Zoom, going through the intuitive eating principles. So there's an education piece. Um, there is going to be a private WhatsApp chat as well as a Facebook group where we'll be able to share our wins and share our struggles and support each other. And it's going to be three months long, meeting once a week on Zoom. There's different levels, so you could get different levels of support, direct support from me, but I will be there to hold your hand and support you through it as well as the other participants. Um, you could also still continue to reach out if you want to um, sign up for one-on-one counsel one -on -one counseling, but there is going to be another option of group counseling. So I'm excited to be launching that in January, God willing. And without further ado, here's the show. And one more thing. Yes, it is very long. No pressure to listen to the whole thing. I personally love listening to podcasts that are long and cover a lot of ground, but of course, take your time listening to it. It's a hour and 35 minutes. So I'll try to keep the intro as short as possible. And um, just know that it's a little bit of a longer episode, but it is chock filled with information as well as you should just know there is going to be a, a part two where I got Blimey to come on the actual podcast and talk about her intuitive eating journey, which was fascinating, phenomenal, so much to pull apart in that episode. So I can't wait to put that out too. But for now, let's just start with uh, the live from Instagram. Have a great day. Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I've come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, 
This podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Hello, everybody. We are going live today with Gila Glassberg, who is a registered dietitian. I believe, I hope I'm saying this right, to discuss how to navigate incorporating incorporating sweets into your home in a way that is ends up being peaceful for your children and for yourself as well. Ah, Gila's here, just one moment. Okay. Hi, Ricky. Okay. Hi, Hi. Gila. Hi, how are you? How good, Sham, How are you? Thank you so much for agreeing to go on. To sure. Help. Thanks for having me. Can you see me? Okay, I never know with like these lives. Should I move a little I bit? I know. No, I totally see you. Okay. Okay. Great. Yeah, we're good. Um. Yeah. I'm. Thanks for agreeing to come on so that parents can really learn how to do this because obviously I shared about it a few days ago on Instagram. Like you can give your children unrestricted access to sweets so they don't constantly like sneak and hide and binge on it and try to mm -hmm. eat it at other people's houses like the way I did when I was a kid actually I mm -hmm. actually stole money so mm -hmm. that I could get the stuff that I didn't have at home um, wow so I've heard that why, before yeah. yeah so that's why I was like I when I have a kid oh hi that's why I was like when I have kids I'm not doing that but I didn't know what to do so right. it's been a journey for me to figure it out and I really think that it's so helpful for parents to know what their options are when it comes to this. Totally. totally. And I, so, so first of all, just thank you for having me on. Um, I'm feeling really nervous, but I just told Rachel Tuckman that I always quote her before I speak that we did, we used to do some workshops together and I would be like, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. And she's like, it's good that you're nervous. It means that you care. So I try to keep that with me. And if that helps anybody, um, but it's really an honor to be here. And just like, I follow your, your stories and I love your, I love your reels with the, you make it so interactive and so relatable. And I just felt really honored that you asked me to come on because this is really like my life's mission to teach people about intuitive eating, health at every size, and what we'll talk about tonight, division of responsibility and feeding our children in a way that does feel good, comfortable, in alignment with our value system. And it's interesting that you started off by saying that, that like a lot of times I'll challenge clients when they'll tell me, of course I can't have sweets every day, or of course I can't have sugary cereals every day. And I'm like, okay, let's just go back to your childhood. What was that like? And they're like, oh yeah, I was always binging. I was always going to my friend's houses and stealing their candy or stealing their sweet cereals. And I'm like, right. So did that work? <laughs> If you want, if it worked, great, you know? So um, I was actually, I want to share, but I was wondering if maybe we could do it. Like, I wanted to tell a little bit of my, my story, why I believe in this so strongly, but I also wanted you to share why, because we were actually talking a little bit before the live and you said that you used to do it this way, now you do it this way. So would that be okay if we did it that way? And then we went into like the logistics of the actual feeding model. Yeah, I would love to hear that before you start your story. I just want to make sure I said you're a registered dietitian. I'm right about that, right? Yes. So I'm okay. a registered what dietitian. I mean, I'm an art. No, you're right. Obviously, I'm a... Gila. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> what am I? Okay. So I am a. I'm Gila Glassberg. I live in Woodmere. I am a mother. I am a wife. I have four kids. Can I know her? Um, 
And I have a private practice here in Woodmere, but I'm really all on Zoom. And I do some public speaking. I've spoken in schools. I post a lot on Instagram. I have a podcast called Get Into It with Gila. So I do, I am trying to like talk about diet culture and eating disorders and disordered eating and really trying to educate people on that you don't have to diet, that you don't have to be obsessed with your weight, that this doesn't have to be the norm in your life. And it's like really, really important to me. Yes, I have my own personal story with disordered eating. Um, and, but yes, <laughs> but don't we all, but I am a registered dietitian. So I was, I went to Queens college. I have my degree in nutrition and I actually, just for people to know, I, for, dietitians have to do a whole year of like clinical practice and then they could sit for their RD exam. And I also actually have my master's in nutrition. So there is a difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian. Not that I'm saying that that's like the end all and be all because nowadays who knows what people are teaching when it comes to nutrition. But I, do, I am also a certified intuitive eating counselor. So I took the training with Evelyn Tripoli. So that's, that's what I do. Perfect. Okay. So tell me what your journey was with your children, I guess, or whatever it is that you want to share regarding food. Sure. So I'll keep the, I'll keep my story short and then I'll, and then I'll try to expound a little bit with my children. So I became a registered dietitian because I really, really struggled with disordered eating as a, when I was in high school. Um, I always say I'm the fourth of nine. So my mother didn't have time to make sure that we eat healthy. And I'll try to explain that later. Uh, she just made sure that we eat. So there wasn't, as far as I remember, different siblings have different stories, but I was in a smaller body as a kid and I was never put on a diet. I don't think I was ever restricted. I don't even think there was so much diet talk for me. I grew up in Scranton, Pennsylvania, way out of town, no kosher, no kosher pizza stores. And then I moved to Teaneck for high school. I boarded at a cousin and I ate pizza like every single day. And then I started to hear a lot about dieting and body bashing and the culture. Um, I'm me, sorry. Um, the culture in my school was very much like, don't eat that, don't eat that. Sorry to my friends who might be watching. Um, and um basically I went through like a period where I was like super, super, super restrictive, like dangerous levels, like barely eating obsessed with foods. You know, when people like come over to you and like smell your food, but they won't eat it or making other people eat like, uh, but thank God I never developed a full blown eating disorder. I was kind of like confronted by friends who I was on a trip with. And I felt like I was like, Whoa, this is, this is not healthy or normal. So um, that's when I wanted to go into the field of nutrition um, as a teenager. And, but when I started working as a dietitian, I felt right away that I was the food police. So I kind of felt like that as a mom also, like, so, so my, my oldest daughter is going to be 10 in this month. And so when I was, when I had her, I was a student, I was a nutrition student and well, and I was just like, so that mom that was like calling the school. And I was like, why would you give animal crackers when you could give whole wheat pretzels, you know? And they were like, uh, okay. And to the point that like, that like, I was even told by one of the teachers, like, you're really going to have an issue if you continue like this, you know? And I was like, this is weird. Like, of course I know about nutrition. Like I'm, I'm becoming a dietitian, you know? And actually, so fast forward, when I started learning about intuitive eating, which really spoke to my heart, because I was like, wait, I don't want to be a food police. And I always say that, like, I was working in, um, in, in nursing homes for five years as a clinical dietitian. And one of our jobs is to provide nutrition education to the residents. So like, Somebody who's in a nursing home, let's say in their 70s or 80s, and they've been eating one way for many, many, many years, and I'm going to come and be like, are you sure you want double portions? Like, of course they want double portions. Like, that's not what they need, you know? And, and here I was just being the food police, and it felt so out of alignment with who I was. And that's when I learned about intuitive eating. Now, 
interesting is that I am in an intuitive eating chat, like a from intuitive eating professional chat with like dietitians and social workers and, um, and exercise professionals and speech therapists. It's really, it's a great, it's a great um, community for me. And I remember somebody talking about the division of responsibility. And I was like, I learned about that in school. I just learned about it in one class. So a four month semester. And I thought it was so interesting. And I I think I already had my daughter and it was very much in alignment with how I felt. But I learned it from one class out of all my schooling. I had never heard it again. Um, And I was, and somebody was talking about it and I was like, yes, yes, yes. I want to hear more. I want to hear more. Um, So, so basically um, I want to, I want to say what the division of responsibility is, but let's say fast forward since I've had my, my private practice, I've learned that just like dieting, just like intuitive eating can become another diet, the division of responsibility can also be taken out of context and could be like totally manipulated and, and, and used in like a manipulative way. So that's why, that's why I want to, it's definitely one of those nuanced things that I want to, I would love to share like how it could actually work in practice. Yeah. Wait, are you done? Is everything that everything you wanted to say? I have that's so much my to, short. Like, that's my very short story. Yeah. yeah but you can I listen to my like, podcast if you want to hear more. Yeah. Yeah. I want to share like the things that stood out to me first when you said the food police, right? So yeah. exactly. Like nutrition as a nutritionist, you were food police, and as a parent, you were also the food police. And I think that's the thing that so many of us believe that we have to be food police. You know, right. parenting in general, we have to think we think we have to be all kinds of police, but right. <laughs> behavior police, but also the food right. police. And right. it's so exhausting for everyone, and the kids hate it, and the parents hate it. Everyone and it hates ends it. Up everyone not really, yeah, it doesn't end up really working out that well either way, because like you hide right. from the police, and you try to sneak around the police, and you, right. you know, right. right, yes, yeah. So this is about moving away from that, so we don't. There has there doesn't have to be any police, right? right? And and we could still like be. I think that when people hear that, and maybe even people would think right away, be like, oh, here they go again with like permissiveness. It's not about. It's not about permissiveness it's not about the kids are in charge it's and I can understand why somebody might hear that and be like oh here they go again and yes there's nuance to it and maybe sometimes people I'm not trying to plug like even plug myself here I'm just saying sometimes I do say when people do like a clarity call with me I sometimes say like you might not be getting this on this call and you might actually need the counseling because it is one of those things I feel like is so nuanced so individualized it has to work for your family and and really like what I think that what speaks to me so much about your um, your approach to parenting is that when I, I've heard I've heard like so many parenting classes and I, I think this is like kind of how you teach also is like your Hashem God gave you this child and therefore you are the expert of this child right so you could take you could speak to therapists and you could speak to doctors and of course they have knowledge but you as the parent mm-hmm. like I want to empower the parent to say. I don't know if this is going to work, but try it. You know your child better, better than I do. And I'm just there to guide, you know? I love that. Yeah. For me, the word expert is like something that I like, I have, I have like, I don't know why it's like resistance comes up in me. Cause I'm like, I don't know if I'm an expert on my child, but yes, I do think that a parent is the one who should be trusted the most with like decisions that they make for their children. Yes. I right. totally agree with that. So, Oh, so the other thing I wanted to point out about what you said, okay, you're saying so many amazing things that I'm like, Oh my gosh, I don't know what to pull from. Right. So yes, there's the division of responsibility, right. Which we're going to share with yeah. everybody what that is exactly. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and also, yeah, I love what you said about permissiveness. I think so much of what I share also comes across to people as permissive because it's such a different framework that it can be like, what? I remember when mm -hmm. I first came across it, I also was like, hold on, like, where are the boundaries? Like, what, mm -hmm. you know, so we're going to explain mm -hmm. that, right? Mm -hmm. but I, so I want to share a little bit about my journey with division of responsibility. Um, when I also came, was with like, okay, I knew I didn't want to do what my, like my okay, so what, the way I grew up is that my mother was very against sweets because they're unhealthy sugar mm -hmm. is bad for you it's bad for mm -hmm. your health so she was like very very rigid when it came to candy you know it was like only allowed certain times and it was mostly mm -hmm. so so of course i developed like an obsession with anything that i wasn't allowed to have and so I, like i said before i stole money to get these things so i didn't i knew i didn't want that i knew it doesn't work anyway but i didn't know what to do so i came across division of responsibility and i loved the idea it was so clear and it explained and i love what you said that sometimes division of responsibility itself can almost become the food police again. Right. Right. And that's sort of what was happening with me as I noticed that even within division of responsibility, I was still feeling like I was policing. And I was like, something about this doesn't feel right. And so I decided, like I do with everything else in my parenting, I decided to just like figure it out myself and tweak things. I'm mm -hmm. like, I don't have to follow somebody else's guidance. Like I can use from their guidance to be like, oh, this sits well with me. You know, but I tweaked it. And I, mm -hmm. I, I tweaked it and found a way that really, really worked well for me and my children. And I saw like my kids were eating balanced meals and it was working out. And then at one point it actually stopped working for one of my kids. Like she started becoming obsessed with candy over and over again. And I was mm -hmm. like, hey, what's going on here? You know? And so mm -hmm. I decided, I was like, I'm going to, I know, using the knowledge that I know about how the humans work and the way they work around food, I decided to like tweak it again and it totally worked. So I, I, I say I use division of responsibility with a lot of flexibility. Interesting. Yes, that makes that's So that's what we call the, goal, the, the golden standard of feeding, which is called responsive feeding. And I do, I do want to quote my friend Yafi Live over here, who really did educate me to like move a little bit away from the division of, responsi division of responsibility model, which I could explain now if you want. Yes. So exactly. First of all, I know Yafi. Hi, Yafi. If you ever see this, I love her. Okay, so... Yeah. If you, yes, can you please explain to parents what is a division of responsibility? Let's start with that and then explain how parents can incorporate it. Or, sure. Yeah. Okay. So, so like I said before, I actually learned about the division of responsibility while, while I was a nutrition student in Queens College, so shout out. And, um, and it, so basically the basic rules or guidelines, actually, I should say, of the division of responsibility, well, uh, it was created by Ellen Satter, who's a registered dietitian and a social worker. So she has like both of those um, um, educational backgrounds. So you could look her up and, sh and and I'm pretty sure I should really, I should have really looked this up before, but I'm pretty sure this was developed in the 1980s or 1990s. So she was like way ahead of her time. Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely um, changed just like intuitive eating was created in the 1990s and now it's in the fourth edition. So there's definitely been a lot more research to back up what they're doing and to tweak it to that it is more evidence-based. So, um, the division of responsibility is the parent decides the what, where, and when of eating, and the child decides how much and if any. That means that the parent decides what's going to be served, when it's going to be served, where it's going to be served, and the child will decide how much they're going to eat and if they're going to eat at all. Now, that's not the only part of um, the, the division of responsibility. So maybe some people do get stuck by only learning those guidelines. The other guidelines are that there always has to be a safe food offered as well. Now, this is where responsive feeding really does come in, which is a safe food means a, a food that you know your child will accept. So that could mean 
I'm just going to give an example. Tonight we had chicken and we had sweet potatoes and regular potatoes and we had cauliflower. That can mean that you offer bread and hummus. That could mean that you are, because it, it can't be like, let's say you're kosher, you can't offer yogurt. I always say like yogurt. It could be just plain bread. It could be, actually you could offer, yeah, you could offer cereal and milk. Um, as the kids get older, let's say even five plus, you want to start um, encouraging your children to to prepare their own food. So maybe the five-year-old can't make eggs, but the five-year-old can go get the bowl, the spoon, the cereal, the milk. And that they, you want your child to be as involved in the food process as much as possible. So obviously it has to be age appropriate, but the, the younger they are, the better off you are really. Like if you start to get them kid knives and let them cut, if you start to take them to the grocery store and let them hold certain fruits, smell certain fruits. Um, I actually learned this from my friend, Elie Sheva uh, Wiener, who is also on my podcast and you could follow her also. Um, she's a feeding specialist. She always would tell me every single thing with a child is a win. So let's say, the child hates a food adamantly and doesn't like let you even cook it when they're around when they start to let you cook it like I know when my mom was making salmon when I was a kid I couldn't tolerate it now I do eat salmon actually um if let's say um they wouldn't taste it but now they let you put it on their plate that's a win um holding it smelling it touching it all those things are little wins and and a child could be exposed to a food a hundred times before they like and accept the food 100 times okay 100 times uh so and then and then the other caveat that some people miss is that some it really depends on your kids so that's where the responsive feeding comes in i'll explain it in a second is that some kids need to be offered food every one and a half to two hours every one and a half to two hours so um we don't want to like really encourage grazing because then your child is never going to have a full meal and then they're going to just constantly be snacking and they're not they're not it's not because I think there's anything wrong with that. I just think that it might not be functional for you or the child. And the goal, let's go back to the goals. I always say to, to parents that I counsel is I want you to think about your child as an 18-year-old child out of your house that you no longer could have any say about what they eat. Now, do people try to control their 18-year-olds? Maybe, but let's just say, let's just say in a healthy, normal relationship, you are no longer trying to control your child and your child goes away for shot to seminary, your child goes away for a shot meal. They are sitting at the table and they feel comfortable. They feel like they could find something that they like. They don't feel like they have to leave the table because there's fish put on the table. They don't feel like they're going to binge on the challah because they were never allowed to have challah, right? I think whenever I say that to moms, I'm like, what is your goal for your child? Your goal is for your child to have a healthy relationship with food. And that goes back to the whole health at every size, which is like bodies come in all shapes and sizes. Body co bodies come in all different colors, different hair colors, different eye color, right? Can we, this is a lot about accepting our children. Some some kids are skinny, some kids are fat. And I say that also with like, I try to neutralize that word. Some people don't like when I say that word, but I'm trying to neutralize the word fat. Um, so those are the basic uh, guidelines of the division of responsibility. Now, people can start to use that as like very, almost like, oh no, it's it hasn't been an hour and a half and they're asking me for more food. What do I do now? And it's interesting because, again, before we were talking, before we started, we were talking about, like, a little bit about what we were going to talk about tonight. And um, it seems like you already picked up on this intuitively, that, that now the gold standard of, of feeding is called responsive feeding. So it is within the framework of division of responsibility, but the mom or the, or the caregiver has to be, like, intuitive to the child. So what if a child is going through, um, and I'm quoting Yafi here because she really did help me, um, sort of like develop this in my practice. Um, 
but what if a child is going through a growth spurt and they really do need more food or they were more active that day like or they really can't fall asleep because they're hungry. Like, do you ever, I sometimes can't fall asleep when I'm hungry. So, and I, and I always say, I'm sure Ellen Satter, if you're listening, I'm sure she didn't have six kids, right? When I was starting to counsel a family of six, um, uh, uh, like a family of eight, that, like from a family that had six kids, seven kids, eight kids. And I started telling her, you know, um, yeah, like if you're, if your teenager wants a bag of chips at X time, but she's like, well, what about my two-year-old? Now my two-year-old taking the bag of chips, right? And I'm like, we are going to make this work for you and your family. Like, let's try this. Come back next week and tell me how it's going. And I have to tell you that time and time again, clients have told me, like, I can't believe it. I was eating, I was eating, um, what did somebody just tell me? Was it string beans? And my, my five-year-old daughter asked if she could, if she could, um, try it. And that's, sorry, I didn't say this, this part is that the exposure is the most important part. The exposure is the most important part. So like, if I always say this to moms also that like, that like, let's say, um, you, your baby used to always accept or even like broccoli, something like that. And then now he's throwing it off his, his high chair all the time. Right. And now he's three and now he's four. Right. And you're like, why would I make him broccoli? Why would I even serve it to him? He's never going to, he never likes it. So then I say, let's fast forward. He's 15 and he goes to his friend's Shabbos table and there's broccoli. Of course he's not trying it when he's 15. He hasn't seen it in 10 years. So if you want your child to like be interested in trying new foods or try new foods or tolerate foods. Like I said before, everything is a win. You definitely want to have exposure to the foods and you definitely want to have modeling, eating the foods and enjoying the foods. But let's just, let's just like say that, let's say your the, the parents are really steeped in diet culture and they're like, they're never eating certain foods or they are like eating their salad, but they're really hating it. Like your kid's going to know that. Your kid's totally going to be like, well, you don't like salad. I know you don't like salad, right? And I'm not saying you have to like salad. I'm just saying, like, it's almost like when we do this work with the parents, it's very, very, very hard to help them if they're not willing to work on their own relationship with food. If they think that deep down pizza is poison, it's going to be really, really hard for them to allow their kid calmly to eat the pizza. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. So that brings us to the sweets, really. Because this is a lot, even though I love that you're sharing about the vision of responsibility, because I think that we need that in order to now share about the sweets. But I think most people are joining because they're like, just tell me how to incorporate sweets into my home so it doesn't become a whole issue, you know? So yeah, so how I, so I use the word unrestricted access, which maybe was a mistake because people thought that means like whenever right. they want all the time. Right. right. So explain how it is unrestricted. Like how do, what do we do about sweets? Okay, so um, let me just think for a second because I want to. I I need to think about my wording when it comes to sweets. Okay. So first of all, this really is more like an intuitive eating tenant, which is that all foods fit, and that means that all foods are morally equal, right? So um, there's no good foods and there's no bad foods, and like I'm really quoting Evelyn Tripoli from from one of the authors of Intuitive Eating. She's like you're eating a donut and you feel guilty like did you did you steal the donut did you kill someone for the donut right so like really guilt shouldn't show up in our food and like I guess going back to goals like if it does show up in your food how is that helping you is it helping you probably not <laughs> probably not if you're watching this live so I always say like the like the worst thing you could put on a child's plate is like guilt and shame so I'm not saying that 
apples and apple pie are the same nutritionally, but I'm just saying morally, they really are the same. And if your ultimate goal is for your child or yourself to feel calm and collected and normal around all foods, then restricting it is only going to cause most likely either the opposite binging or maybe even an eating disorder, God forbid, you know, on either spectrums, compulsive eating or restricting, right? We don't want any of that, obviously. And like I said before, we want calm. We want confident. We want collected, right? We don't want, uh, we don't want any of our children, I'm assuming, to be at a Shabbos table and be like, I I really want to eat that cake, but I'm not going to because my mother said that it's poison and it's going to kill me and I'm going to get fat and no one's going to like me, right? Which is what I hear every single day, literally, like every single day in my office. So right. just so a lot of parents, right. So a lot of parents are concerned because they're like, wait, some people said, but sugar is addictive, which I, I mm-hmm. have my own things to say about that. But I'm curious mm-hmm. what you have to say, is he sugar is addictive or thing while food coloring really is poison. Um, so like, or, or like you said, it doesn't have as much nutrition. So like, um, shouldn't my child know that? Mm-hmm. I guess like, I, I want to think about where I want to go with this because like, I could, I could like talk about things like a little bit indirectly and maybe that will make more sense to people. But I guess what I try to do with clients, it, you, people want to hear just like, what do I do with sweets? But I feel like it is more of like an explanation around it. Like I try to say to, cl- to clients, wait, why don't you want them to have candy? Oh, cause candy's not healthy. Why don't you want them to have sugar? Cause sugar is not healthy. Well, well, what is healthy then? Um, so I feel like that is an important thing for parents to think about what does health mean for them and communicate that to their children. Right. So I'll just try to say it as quickly as I can, cause I do want to get to like, what do you actually do in practice? But I, in my opinion, even as a dietitian, health, so eating foods that are nutritious and good for your health and movement are really, really important for your health, but there are two aspects of health, right? So, so let's say like orthorexia, I always say orthorexia is an eating disorder that is an unhealthy obsession with only eating quote unquote healthy foods. So you're the person that's interrogating the waiter. You're not going to a simple because you're scared what they're going to serve, right? So how much of your headspace is is taken up by what you're going to eat consumed (laughs) exactly um so like like let's say let's just say like call it disordered eating let's say thinking about food 40 to 80 percent of your day and even let's say that does make you lose weight because now i'm talking more about like eating disorders intuitive eating not so much division of responsibility even if like let's say that's the reason why you're so consumed by it is because it's making you lose weight um what if you're like like i said when i started to introduce myself i'm a mom i'm a wife i own a business I'm a Jew, right? So like if I'm thinking about food 40 to 80% of my day, am I, could I, could I really possibly be living within alignment with my values and goals? I don't, I personally don't think so. And that's my, and that's my choice, right? So health is mental health, sleep hygiene, stress management, your relationships, right? So you, I don't think that you could say that eating healthy is, is the only thing that contributes to health. So I don't even like using really the word healthy. Now, do I, I don't really have a better word, but I used to say like more nutritious, less nutritious. But then I, I did like a lot of hours of supervision with um, eating disorders dietitian. So I don't like to say that I'm an eating disorder dietitian, but I do have a lot of actually supervised hours. And I'm quoting, I'm quoting, um, I'm quoting Jessica Setnick. And I was telling her about some, one of my clients who was having a really, really hard time eating pizza. And she's like, tell her that it's molecules. What would she feel like if you said it was molecules? And then I started, it got me thinking about when I was a nutrition student and we would learn about the Krebs cycle and we would learn about how all sugars would break down into glucose and start to fuel the Krebs cycle, right? And give us ATP. I don't know if, if you know what I'm talking about, but this I found fascinating. That's triphosphate. 
<laughs> yeah. So, so that I, I, I guess just to like neutralize it, like really, really, really at the end of the day, food is molecules. If you were on a stranded, stranded on a desert island and all you had was candy, it would actually help you survive. Right. So if I always say that to my kids. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So now what do we do in practice? So I, so like I do, let's just say, um, I'm just going to say what I do in my own house. And then if anybody has questions or if you want to ask me, it's going to help me because I can't say I tell every client the same thing. I really don't. So, um, so I like to, I like to, when I can provide a protein, carb, fat, and a vegetable at dinner, let's just say, cause I don't really serve them so many meals, but I'll get into that in a second. Um, cause they have school lunch, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, so I, uh, again, when I talk about nutrition, I want there to be adequacy. So adequate protein, carbs, fat, fruits, vegetables, and variety, because you want to get all the different nutrients from all the different types of foods, right? So like, sometimes I'll say like, oh, if on Monday, you had red cabbage and tomatoes, on Tuesday, you might want to focus on like your sweet potatoes and your cucumbers, just an idea, because that way you're getting all the different nutrients that you need, right? Um, and the same thing with my kids, I would I would love to offer them those foods, right? Okay, so now when my kids come home from school, most of them are home by like 4.30. I try to have dinner ready. And if they ask me for a snack, I say that it's time for dinner. Because I, in my head, based on my kids and their signals, I think that they're meal hungry, not snack hungry. And that's, that's like also from intuitive eating, right? Um, if I don't always offer dessert, if they ask me for dessert, I say sure, right? So so let's say it depends on the night. It depends what I have available. Sometimes I'll cut up apples. Sometimes I have pineapples. Sometimes I have tofuti cuties in my freezer, um, stuff like that. And let's just say um, I notice that like my, my four-year-old comes home a little bit early and he, he really is hungry. I might put on the table. It really also depends. I might put on the table, cut up apples, cut up peppers and a snack bag and some candy, right? And I will notice that this child will take from both. Sometimes, sometimes he will just take the snack bag. Sometimes I'll just take the apple. Sometimes I'll take both. But I want him to feel confident, safe, secure, making a food decision. Um, I don't usually offer candy. Um, and I do offer candy on Shabbos. And I don't even care if my kids get overly excited about it because I, I, I used to care. I used to be like, okay, well then I have to give them candy every day. I have to give them sugar cereal every day. Actually, I'm pretty strict about sugar cereal is only for Shabbos because we are actually supposed to have special food for Shabbos. We are all, we are actually supposed to feel excited about certain foods. So I'm totally fine with them being like, oh my God, this is so good. Could I have two bowls? Sure, have two bowls. They, they know I'm not going to restrict them. Maybe they'll even have three bowls, but they're not. I will even, when they, when they say to me, I'm not feeling well, my stomach hurts. I'll be like, oh, that's interesting. What, what What's going on for you today? Um, I even had a story with one of my kids that, that that happened and it was on Hanukkah and she was like, oh, I ate two lakas and I ate two donuts. And I'm like, yeah, sometimes when I eat fried food, it hurts my stomach too. And now she's very much in tune with around how much fried food she could eat, right? And I'm, it's not because I'm restricting her. It's not because I have any issues with her eating fried food. I think fried foods are delicious. <laughs> I just think that the more you restrict those foods, the more your child is going to feel they're going to start being restrictive or they're going to feel out of control around that food. And that to me is not healthy is not, you cannot to me call that healthy. So I don't know if that if you have any follow-up questions, if anyone wants to ask questions. Um, but that's kind of how I approach like uh, providing or offering sweets in my house. 
Yeah, so I just want to ask questions to, uh, for clarity, so to make sure I understand. So basically, there are certain foods that you're, certain sweet foods that you'll say, these are only for certain days or whatever. You'll also uh, set aside certain times for it. Like if your child comes home and they're hungry, you'll say, no, we're going to actually wait. We're going we're gonna to eat dinner in like a few minutes, right? Mm -hmm. then, but then once they eat dinner, let's say, right? Mm -hmm. then, and then they want a snack, then they can take whatever snack they want and how much they want. Um, so I'm, let me just think for a second, because like, honestly, like it's, it's really not like such a big deal in our house. Like I know, sometimes it's hard to think about it once you've already, I know, <laughs> but I'm trying to think about clients who have like, just like, so yeah, we're trying to help really... people who are, who have never done this before. How can they, how can right. they start? Yeah. Right. So let's, let's talk about that for a second. If you are, if you are using this live to start, I just want to caution you that you might watch your child binge for the next two to three weeks. And that might be really scary for you. And you might not be ready for that. And let's just like make space for that. And that's totally fine. I think that probably means you do need to do some work on yourself in terms of your relationship with food. Um, but if you are ready, if you know, I had, I'll give you a really funny example. And I even asked her if I, it was okay for me to share, obviously anonymously. Um, she called me this year recently and she had heard about me a few years ago and she was like, yeah, right. You know, like that type. And I'm not offended. I totally hear. I was also skeptical about this type of stuff. Um, so she called me and I was like, what made you reach out to me now? She's like, honestly, nothing's working. Like, I don't know how to mealtime is a battle. How many people on here are thinking that mealtime is a battle? And I know I've been there. It is so frustrating when you, especially as a dietitian, you cook the food. It's perfect. It's so healthy for them. It's going to make them so big and so strong. And they're going to thank me one day. They won't thank you one day. They're going to hate every single thing that you're serving them. And they're going to dafka specifically rebel. And maybe not all kids, but probably most kids. Right. So, um, so she came to me and we started working on the division of responsibility. And again, it was more responsive feeding, responding to the needs of her family, lots of different needs in her family. Um, she has a bunch of kids, right? With a bunch of different needs. And um, oh, within, I would say maybe two or three weeks, she was telling me like, I can't believe it. I can't believe that my child is asking me to taste X, Y, Z. I can't believe that I made this whole dinner and my child asked if he could have hot dogs. And I said, sure, make them yourself. And he was, I'm not going to say his age, just, I don't think I'm giving away any, any, anything, but she was like, he made it himself and everyone was in such a good mood. It was so happy in my house. And I was like, yeah, like what would have, and, and I always say like, and what would have happened a few months ago? He's, she's like, it would have been a battlefield. It would have been, he probably still would have made the hot dogs. It just would have been a battlefield. Right. So, um, so I think that it's important to know that this takes time and it, do, and, and it does take tweaking and it does take, you have to kind of be willing to try something new and you might have to be willing to say like, oh, I don't like that they're binging on this food. Like, I think it might pass. Um, or again, you might not be ready for it and that's totally fine. But usually people come to it when they're just like, I, I, I can't, like nothing else is. Dinner is a battlefield. My kids are binging anyways. They're going to their friend's house just because they want snacks, which is like so sad. Um, I, I see, I mostly work with adults. So there are a lot of stories that I hear. I talk, I, usually in my first session, I'll talk to them about like their earliest childhood memory around food. And there's a lot of stories that I hear from clients like, I was in a larger body and every night for dessert, my other siblings got cake and I got an apple. Right. And now, 
it's like, it's just like, it's 30 years later and it's such a profound traumatic memory. Like I'm not even trying to be dramatic. I'm just like, this is what I hear so often. And I know the parents meant well, I'm not pointing fingers at the parents. I'm just trying to say like, let's just go like, what is your goal? <laughs> Remember that 18 year old child that is no longer in your care. What is your goal? Is your goal for them to feel confident and calm and maybe, yeah, maybe sometimes they do eat a lot of candy, right? But they know, like, I know for my kids, I, I really do feel like this and they're young and like anyone, if anyone's had like positive experiences, they could go to, they can actually go to my Instagram because I usually post when people text me, like, you're not going to believe this. This is the child that I was working with you for a year. And I said, blah, blah, blah. And he's binging. She's like, he didn't want the donut. He said, no, thank you to the donut. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's crazy. It feels crazy when it's like, just like, it's just so much about like the intuitive eating model and the division of responsibility is giving, yeah. it's, but it's giving you autonomy and kids really do need that. Like, yeah. are you hungry? Are you full? Do you like, if you really don't like this food, I'm not going to force it down your throat. Like, is that really going to help the child? What's your ultimate goal? Right. 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 Yeah. So the way I, I actually told my friend many years ago when she came to me and her daughter just kept like eating from my, like from my cabinet. And I noticed, I was like, I think she keeps coming to my house and eating, like keeps asking for more and more snacks. And so she was very open to hearing like how, uh, how to switch over my advice that I gave her. And maybe, I don't know, tell me if this could be helpful to parents. Um, my advice was like, obviously like, yeah, when she comes, we'll give her dinner, give her actual mm -hmm. food. But once you yes. gave her that, like the meal, cause the dogs are hungry and if they're hungry, mm -hmm. they'll eat anything. Right. So like, if, if they're, they're hungry, you may notice them eating a meal snack, a meal worth of snacks. Yes. Exactly. I sometimes will notice that. Like sometimes I notice my child reaching for the snacks and I'm like, oh, oh, can I offer you something else? Like a meal? And they're more than happy. They're like, yes, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. they're so happy for me to offer them other food. It's just like that's accessible and I'm hungry. So yeah. Mm -hmm. so, they, so I said like give them regular meal. And so then afterwards you can create like when it's like, and after that it's just snack time and they can have, it's, they can have snacks and as much as your child wants, like, right so it's like you said so you decide what where and when and then it's you can have mm -hmm. as much as you want so um and i said like she's like what like even to the point where she like just stuffs herself face and she like vomits and i was like yeah like the point is that she has to feel it out herself and she mm -hmm. and that's literally what happened one day she actually vomited so the first yeah. day she, the first day she put out like she bought specially bought stuff for it she bought like uh -huh. stuff her daughter kept binging in my house she bought like candies and cookies or whatever and like then she like she ate a lot, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, and then, and then she's like, yeah. And then the next day she ate a ton also, she kept binging and binging and like you said, for about two or three weeks. Mm -hmm. And then after that, she started saying like, actually, I don't want this or I don't like this or she's Oh, when she put, sorry, I told her when you put out the snack, also put out like apples and cucumbers and other things. Like mm -hmm. all, all, she never touched that in the beginning. And then slowly mm -hmm. she started touching the other stuff as well. So that's mm -hmm. what she did. It was like a specific time that she designated and then she was able to have. So that's what she did. And it worked out extremely well after that. Right. Was, now again, what, is that something you would recommend or no? I think that that's like, a, I, I would, if I would maybe sometimes recommend that in my, in my sessions, but I feel like, like, again, just like, let's handle that with care. Like I'll give you an, I'll give you I don't really do that with my kids anymore because I feel like that's not going to function in my house if they eat all the oh, snack I don't bags. either do that with my kids anymore, yeah. but that's because, like, they, we've evolved, like, they're, we're in a different place with food. Right, but let's just say, like, a lot of times it's, like, the kiddish. Like, oh, my God, I went, I hear this all the time. I went to a kiddish, you should see my child's plate piled high 
um, candy, um, chillins, potato cocoa, he can't possibly be healthy, right? And I'm just like, well, what's that like at home? Well, everyone gets one piece of potato cocoa. So um, everybody has five pieces of candy. Everybody has a Ziploc of candy, and then that's it, right? Okay, well, maybe you should, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I've heard people say, and I think I heard you say that, like, oh, I could always tell the kids who are restricted because at a kiddish, they're, like, binging and overexcited. My kids are really excited at a kiddish. <laughs> Um, and, and at, uh, and at, um, Shalom Zucker, let's just say, but I don't find that they're like sitting in the corner binging. I find that they, I always say this to clients, my adult clients, I don't want to take away the joy of food. I want you to love food, but I want you to eat it, enjoy it and move on. Like I said before that, like disordered eating is like thinking about food 40 to 80% of your day. Like food is awesome. Like food is like, I, I'm just, I, I really meant to like write a blog about this, but I haven't gotten around to it, but I have um, a sister-in-law who she said I could quote and she's expecting and she is really nauseous and she can't eat. And she told me, actually, this is over second. I was by her house. She told me, she's like, Gila, you know, for all my years of dieting, I always looked at my friends who were not foodies. And I thought, I wish I was one of those people. Like, I just didn't like food. Like, food is good. You move on. And she's like, now that I can't eat, I'm so sad every time it's mealtime. And I always say this to clients, like, Hashem, God made it that, like, we have to breathe to live and we have to eat to live. But he made eating enjoyable. And you know that there's so many times in your day that you get to experience pleasure. I don't want you to be obsessed with food. I don't want you to be like not being able to work because you're thinking about, uh, and, and I, I've been there. I've so been there. Those disordered eating days. And I would just like look up recipes and think about what I'm going to eat and what I'm going to cook. It's, it's just like, it's annoying. Like who wants to live like that? Like there's so much more to live for, but I'm not saying, um, again, there's like that balance. I, I think you should love. And I think kids should love food. I love when my kids say, mommy, you're the best cook ever. I love your food. Food is so bonding, but like, if my kid is staying at the dinner table for an hour and eating everyone else's food, that tells me that there's a restriction going on. Right. I love that you made that differentiation because people did message me saying like, but aren't you taking away the joy of like candy now? Like your kids are not going to be excited anymore about it. And I was like, my kids still get, especially if it's a new candy, like if it's a new one, it's different. Like of course they get excited about it, but yeah. That's that's why I I only give it on Shabbos. I want Shabbos to be exciting. I want there to be separate food on Shabbos. And And I, that's a really good point. Yeah. So, but, but the thing is that it's just that they can, they're not, uncon- like you said, they don't binge. They're not like uncontrolled around it. It's not like they're like, yeah, I remember when my daughter went to a birthday party when she was younger and there was a pinata that they hit. Yeah. The kids all scrambled and were like stuffing their hands or whatever. Yes. Yes. And my daughter's like, I just took two candies. Yeah. <laughs> I remember yeah. saying like, really? She's like, I just wanted two. Yeah. Yeah. So because she knew she's she it wasn't like I think and I I probably would have been that kid who would have like taken as much as I could because it's like when am I ever gonna get this again? Like I don't know when I'm gonna have this opportunity, but for her it was like tomorrow I might have the opportunity, so why not take a few today? Like I'll just take as much as I think I want today, and today I want to. Right. I guess I guess I kind of think about it like I love chicken. Like chicken's like my favorite food, and I could probably eat it every night. But like. I'm not going to get sick of chicken, but, like, maybe I'm not going to eat it seven nights in a row. Like, I'll have it, like, four nights different. I, I really don't have chicken every night, but I'm just saying, like, I, it's one of my favorite foods. Uh, pizza is one of my favorite foods, but, like, after day four, like, I'm kind of sick of it. But, like, by Monday, I want it again, you know? So it's, like, right. it's not like you're taking away the joy. I just think that you're you're lowering the pedestal of – that's the, that's also the part of intuitive eating, uh, making peace with food, that, like, food is kind of on a pedestal, Right. Right. And you don't ever habituate to food. That's the, that is the theory behind that principle of intuitive eating. 
I don't know if anyone knows what I'm talking about, but there's 10 principles of intuitive eating. And one of them is called making peace with food, which is unconditional permission to eat. And um, that is based on the habituation theory that when we diet, we put food on a pedestal. So let's say you're restricting pizza or candy or chips or or cookies, let's say um, restriction, high restriction foods, right? And then you could, you, you're able to diet for a week one, week two, week three, and then, and then you're like, oh my God, I can't, I have to eat the pizza. And then you eat 10 pieces of pizza. And then you're like, see, I knew it, I'm addicted to pizza. And then back, the pizza goes on the pedestal and that binge restrict binge cycle goes. And it's, it's really the same with kids, really. It's exactly, exactly, exactly what it is. It's because it's restrictive, then if you obsess about it, then when you're finally exposed to it, you can't control yourself around it. Then you're like, oh, you see, kids are addicted to sugar. You see, they're right. addicted to the candy. They can't control right. themselves around it, so I need to hide it. Right. That's kind of what happens. So, but then people are worried about like the opposite, exactly. Like, so people message me like, well, what about your meals? But if they, uh, they say, when I was a kid, I replaced my meals with junk. Like I didn't eat meat, mm -hmm. I, I didn't eat meat, I ate junk for meals. And I was like, I would never let that happen in my house. Like I am not, we're not eating junk at dinner time. Like that's not, right. well, if my children want something, I'll actually say, you know, put it aside, put it on your place for dessert. Um, right. You know, but it's, but we all, I will, I prioritize eating those meal, eating meals. There's a certain right. there's a time, there's a time and place. Like we said, the, the where and the when, right? We just, I decide. What, when, where, and when. Yes, I'm going to decide when they're going to eat the candy, but when they do, I'm not going to decide how much they're going to have. Right. So first of all, like, I, I don't like the word junk. Like, I don't like any really moralizing word. Same, I don't like the word same, same, same. Yeah. Um, and, and and actually, like, clients really, like, laugh when I say this, when, when I say, okay, so junk or garbage, it implies that, like, it's poison and it should be in the garbage. Why do you buy it? You give your kids poison? You don't, you obviously do not believe that it's poison or you wouldn't buy it, right? And, and like I said before, like, um, like, oh, like, well, let's say my son will be like, mommy, you make the best food ever, blah, 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 right? So like, food is so much more than nutrition. Like, I know I'm a dietitian, right? But food is so much more than than molecules than nutrition, right? Food is nourishment and warmth and love and connection pleasure. and community and pleasure, right? So, um, so I think that it's just important to say that maybe some foods are like, really good for your body. And maybe some foods are really, really good for your soul. <laughs> and um, I think I that, that. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm trying to think like, like latkes, like, you know, how much emotional attachment I have to latkes? I don't know, potato kugel. Um, I don't even yeah. like donuts, which is weird. I, I, I do find that a lot of oil does hurt my stomach. But um, I love candy. I think about my siblings and Shabbos and I love it. And it's, and sometimes I'm like, this is kind of nauseating. Why am I eating this? And I'm like, oh, cause it reminds me of my sister. <laughs> um, but like, I feel like only if you give yourself the autonomy to really notice like what foods you like and what actually feels good in your body and not just like what diet culture says you should eat or what you shouldn't eat or what you've been binging on. Um, but, but yeah, let's just say, um, oh, you let your kids eat junk food all the whole dinner, right? Let's just say. So I think people just kind of forget the guidelines. You are in charge of the what, where, and when. Are you serving snack bags for dinner? I don't think you are. <laughs> Maybe sometimes. I mean, you know what I try to think about? Like when, so my father and my brother live in Rochester, which is a six-hour drive, right? So me being the dietitian that I am, and I, I, love, I happen to love food. It happens to be one of my <laughs> passions. I'll be like, I have my protein bars in the car, and I have my rice cakes, and my cheese, and my baby carrots. But you know what else I have? Lots and lots of snack bags, because it's really easy, and the kids could grab it. And it's non-perishable, and it keeps their bellies full. And 
I offer them lots of different foods in the car, like my smoothie, my smoothie yogurts, and I also offer them a lot of snacks. Um, I think that it kind of is like, wow, this these snack bags really got us through that six hour trip, right? And you know what? Sometimes they're like, when we get to where we're actually going, they're like starving for a meal because chips are not going to fill you up like like chicken or pizza or something like meal food, right? So that those are also part of the intuitive eating model, which is like just getting to know your own hungerfulness signals of of are you meal hungry or are you snack hungry, right? If right. if if nobody has ever given you that sort of like um, context, it's kind of yeah, I'm hungry. Okay, here's an apple. Here's a bag of chips. Uh, versus like I'm hungry. Here's like schnitzel, rice, and cucumbers, right? Like those are two different levels of hunger. Right. Yeah. So you're saying if children are given the room to decide and they can they start to feel their bodies and feel like what they're like, what they're in the mood of, if they're in the mood of like a meal or like a snack and they'll know the difference. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm saying like, let's say the like you decide what, where and when and children have to be fed every one and a half to two hours, let's just say. So you and your house has to run um efficiently and effectively right so most people eat breakfast lunch and dinner and have snacks in between most yeah. people don't feel full from three bags of chips or good even if they feel physically full i'm assuming they don't feel satisfied i wouldn't um, and i don't think my kids would right and i don't and i don't think based on because i was saying about the car rides like i could see that they're not feeling good or or they might be like nauseous like or they might feel totally fine or but they kind of know like they kind of know after like three snack bags, they're not going to feel good, you know? And I, I will, I, I, again, like going back to like the non-dismissiveness, I will kind of try to guide them as their parent. Like, do you, like, I think last time you were kind of nauseous when you ate that whole bag of candy, <laughs> you know, like, oh yeah, you're right. Like, okay, so do you want me to put it away for tomorrow? And you could remind me that I have it in my bag. Like I am giving them boundaries. I'm not restricting them. I'm not forcing them, but I am giving them boundaries. And I think that that's, maybe where people get confused. Yeah, people do definitely get confused about that because I think it's like nuanced. So much of this, like you said, as I'm hearing you, I'm realizing so much of this requires, like, because you keep referring to intuitive eating, which I'm familiar with, actually, because I started that journey, I don't know how many years ago. And so I think that informs so much of this, you know? Yes. And like, without that, sometimes it can seem like, I don't understand how this works, but we're trying, we're trying to explain it. I, somebody actually asked a question. They said, what if? You give your child a meal, though, and mm -hmm. they don't eat anything because they're waiting for just like, and they only want a dessert. Do you say you can't have dessert until you think I know the answer to this, but <laughs> until right. you finish eating? So, you know, I, I have a really hard time answering this question because I need to know more about the story. Because mm. um, when this comes up in session, I need to know. Uh, and I just had this with this client that I was referring to before. Um, when she comes home, is she, why is she eating three regular chips? Is she meal hungry? Did she not eat her lunch that you, I can't remember the exact details, but like you forced her to have a salad or something like that, right? Oh, so now she's meal hungry because it's four o'clock and she hasn't eaten lunch, right? So, um, but I'll tell you something, the division of responsibility. The sound is a little interesting. Something happened to the sound. I can still hear you. Yeah, it was just a little odd. Yeah, I hear you. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, I hear you clearly. It's a little that weird. weird. It was a little weird. I was afraid that I couldn't hear you so clearly, but we're, I think we're good. Okay, let yeah, me know. We are good. We are. Yeah. Okay. So, with the division of responsibility, you would actually serve dessert with dinner. Right. That's what I did for a while. Um, but it doesn't like probably you stop because for a lot of the other kids, it's not functional, and they will only eat the dessert. 
and there's so much like well maybe that child is feeling deprived because xyz or that child um didn't eat enough at lunch because he didn't like there's just i said that it was not created for from family there's just way too much dynamic and also one of the really important parts of the division of responsibility is that like meal time is so powerful for kids and adults like just to sit with a family to watch other people eat to the family style is really the best way to feed kids and adults is like that they could take as much as they want from each thing now again that doesn't always feel functional in a fam- like in a from family of so many kids and they're all take so- i've heard this so many times but they took all the schnitzel but they took okay so that's, that's not going to work okay i get it um but i i, w- I would be curious if this going back to the responsive feeding if you would serve dessert with the meal if that would help that child and it could be that yes and it could be no and it could be an experiment and it could be i always say give yourself two weeks like two weeks is not so scary they always go back in two weeks but again i would have to know a little bit more about that story but i wonder if that would help that family yeah i love that clear i can tell you clearly do this as a like as a practice because like you're so much more nuanced in the way that you answer things like i would just say put the dessert next to the food because but you're right. It can be so, there's so many different scenarios where that maybe wouldn't work. But that's what I did. And it worked amazingly. Um, my child was also like, just wait until the meal was over so she could have right. a dessert. And I was like, this is not working. So I heard this idea yeah. of putting the dessert with the meal. It was amazing. In the beginning, yeah. she literally eat like the lolly and then the thing. And then the, the yeah. after a while, I stopped it because it wasn't an issue anymore. Right. Once, that's once a really good the, point. Yeah. Once everything became more balanced with food and I think nothing was on a pedestal anymore and it was just yeah. all the same. Then, then right. have, I stopped. It. it wasn't an issue anymore. Now I don't do that anymore. I want to say something funny about that. Um, it's okay. Because I was realizing on my own intuitive eating journey, I was realizing that, um, let's say, like, Friday night, like, we would have, like, this, I feel like we have, like, such a huge meal of, like, like, challah and soup and dips and salad and chicken, whatever, chicken soup and then a whole meal, right? And first of all, like, I think that's like really too much food and we do condition ourselves to eat past fullness. So oftentimes we don't even have a main and sometimes, I don't know, my kids are getting older. So it's like considered weird, but it works great for us right now. Um, And then like, let's say there was like a really good dessert, like either I baked a really good dessert or there's really good. um, My husband brought home some really good muffins or I'm trying to think of something that like was really like, Oh, this looks so good. But I was so full. I was like, you know what? This is going to taste really good for breakfast when I'm really hungry and I would save it for the next day. Right. So kind of think about that a lot with kids. Like, um, and I, I think I'm quoting Ali Sheva Wiener again, when she was saying, when she, when we did the podcast, and I think about this a lot, when you tell your kid, um, eat all your dinner and then you can have dessert, you are actually reinforcing them to ignore their fullness cues. Cause even if they are full, they're going to want to eat their the dessert. So I guess think about it as an adult, right? Like if you have, if you're, um, somewhere where we're being served not that i'm ever anywhere where i'm being served but let's say i'm thinking of like when i had a baby and i was in the hospital and everything was on the tray right so there was like a brownie and eggs and bread or something like i might actually eat a bite of the brownie and some of the eggs like i like to eat all different types of food at once so it's not like so weird we i think we're all kind of like conditioned to think like this is really bizarre and weird and my kid's gonna binge i'm just i always say like i'm curious what's gonna happen if you tried it you know yeah yeah I love that. So somebody else asked, what if my kids are really picky eater and they only like snacks? Okay. So again, I would have to, I really would love to hear more about how that happened, how old the child is, when that happened, because a lot of times that does start to happen when kids are forced to eat 
like, let's say like picky eating is a normal part of life. I just said this to somebody. Imagine if like, like I don't eat herring, right? I don't eat, I grew up in a picky house and we, we were actually not forced to eat um, certain foods, but like my father has like an aversion to eggs. So I don't, I like actually really dislike hard boiled eggs. I really will never eat herring. My husband's dying to get me to eat raw fish. I will not eat it ever. I'm never going to eat it guys. Okay. I just, what I just try to think like if somebody forced that into my mouth, I just would be so hurt and like, and like never want to be near that food ever again. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or that person maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or that person. Yeah. yeah. So, so I wonder how the, so kids do grow out of the picky eating sometimes and some kids are just pickier than others. But when I, like when I was saying before about the exposure therapy, like you want to expose your kids to all different types of foods all the time. Like a lot of moms have a hesitation to that. They're like, why would I make a bag of broccoli if it's going to go in the garbage? I'm like, do you like broccoli? If you don't like broccoli, don't make broccoli. If you do like broccoli, maybe you could just like bring it for lunch the next day. Like it doesn't have to go in the garbage. Like I'm not trying to encourage people to make food that they're actually throwing in the garbage. I'm just thinking like, like, let's say I'll just give an example. Like some of my kids don't like tomatoes and some of my kids don't like avocados. So I still offer to them every single time. I'll still maybe even put it on their plate if they let me. And I'm not going to say that they're going to eat it one day because that's not my goal, right? Again, my goal is for them to feel confident and calm and collected at a mealtime, which means like if it's if there's tomatoes touching their food, hopefully they'll be okay. Or if they're not, then they'll figure it out. But it's not going to be like, I can't eat anything at the Shabbos table, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, again, like I don't, I don't, I just wonder what's going on with that family if the child only likes snack foods. Because I do think that when there's like autonomy and lots of different choices, kids will eat some type of food. Let's say it's just bread or just yogurt or just cucumbers, like those plain foods. And then they're being exposed to other foods at at mealtime or again, only if they're tolerating it. You don't have to put it. If they say like, I don't want chicken on my plate. I don't want chicken on my plate. Don't be like, no, you're having chicken on your plate. You don't have to eat it. Like, okay, so then there won't be chicken on, on his plate. But that doesn't mean next week you can't ask it again. Right. 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 That's the idea is not to give up. I think. I think sometimes we give up a little fast. We're like, the kid doesn't like that food. Forget it. I'm not trying, which I guess. So it's like, I like what you I said. Make food that you like to eat that maybe right. they don't. And it's just till they keep it being exposed to it again and again and again. Right? Right. Right. But again, like there is, there's just a lot of like, it has to work for you. Like I, I don't like cottage cheese and I just really don't offer my baby cottage cheese because it's just annoying. Like I just, I actually like, I actually just want to say something that I never liked cottage cheese and I, and I really never thought I would, and I don't like it, but I really, really like cottage cheese pancakes and I really like cottage cheese in um, big ziti stuff and like, and, but I will never eat a plain. And in my head, I don't like it, but I actually do like it because I like it in cottage cheese pancakes and I like it. in. so that's another thing, like just, um exposing them in different ways raw or cooked don't hide it please don't hide the veggies don't hide the veggies you're not doing them any good they're just going to feel betrayed please don't do that (laughs) um and again with picky kids it it obviously depends on the kid and how sensory they are but really like like i said before exposure to the cooking process like i bought my kids these like um cute knives that they could use in the kitchen they're not really they're really not great um but I have the same ones yeah <laughs> yeah they're not great but like I am trying I'm like a nervous wreck and my son used a peeler and he actually did peel his finger and I really thought I was gonna have to call a tell for myself oh my god <laughs> so I'm, I'm like 
in theory, I would love for them to actually cook. And I've heard from different people that they do let their eight-year-old, nine-year-old, 10-year-old cook. I'm like a little bit too anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, but in theory, I think it's great. Take your kid to the grocery store, show them the different fruits and vegetables, apple picking. Um, those are like peach picking. Those are such great ways to get your kids involved in like the actual process of food. Uh, my, my, my four-year-old, he's so funny. He like, I have like a gazillion spices because I love spices. And whenever I cut up like a cucumber for him, he's like, I want this. It's like dill. Like dill doesn't go on cucumbers, but okay. I guess in cucumber salad, he, the chili yeah. lime spice, yeah. yeah, the chili lime spice. He's like, I want this. I'm like, okay. Like, and he, he is experimenting. He's, he's like not the, he's pretty picky like he won't like try any food but he'll like I do try to give him like different um different I guess let's say autonomy but I also I think I I actually was I said I was in nutrition school when I was when I had my first child or I had I was pregnant with my second so I already had her and I remember this came up a lot in class because we were like a small class in my in my master's like maybe 14 people and I was always talking about my anxiety around my daughter's eating my daughter's eating and they're like I think if you just like let up it will get better and I think that that's also like an important thing for parents to know that like if your child knows that you're feeling super 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 anxious about this they are going to pick up on that and there's going to be a lot of uh, resistance or uncomfortable feelings for the child and I know that that's e- so much easier said than done but there is what to say here on working on your own relationship with food it is really really important yeah I think that's all there's a lot to say on that I really think like for myself you know working through my own relationship with food was like a huge piece of this a huge you know because like I I had totally had disordered eating. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Like we have so much of our own resistance and so fears and all these things, you know? And yeah. like you said, there's so much in, we, like I said, some people really believe like food is, sugar is addictive or it's poison. Like you said, foods are poison and like all those kinds of things, right? So like, even if you feed it to your kid, but in your head, you're freaking out and you're like, they're eating poison. Like they're gonna right. sense that from you, which can create maybe some sort of like, it doesn't create that space where there's just like calm confidence where they can just choose, right? Hundred of what we're wanting to create, right? Totally, yes. Yeah. Okay, so that that's helpful. The to answer. I saw another question that I wanted to. Um, yeah. Oh, sometimes my kids going through a phase where like they don't want to eat anything. They're very very picky. Um, I wonder oh, if they could tell me what eat. Doesn't want to eat anything. Just ask for milk with honey. He likes most food though. He's not picky. It's a weird face. What do I do? So he basically keeps asking for the same food again and again, I guess, even though he's not really picking, he likes other food. I wonder how old that child is. If they, three. I don't know if they, that's, three, three. that's like very, very normal behavior for a three-year-old. And again, like this, I, I, I like to think of it, like you're, you do such a good job on your page. Like I like to think of it if I was a three-year-old, like, like three-year-olds get obsessed with toys. They get obsessed with books. They get obsessed with these things. And I would say that's his safe food right now and still offer other foods. I'm going to just assume that that's a phase. And if it doesn't, I, there, there is always room to say like, there might be something else going on. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't resolve, let's say in a few months, I, then I would circle back or reach out to a professional, but I, I'm not, I wouldn't feel super concerned about that personally. Yeah. So, so that, here's the thing also is that, Oh, somebody else reached out to me and said like, my child is ADHD. And so mm-hmm. like, something to say for like dopamine in the brain is different for those kids and so he is addicted to sugar no matter what I try even if I don't restrict or whatever I mean I don't know I guess this could be like so obviously this might be like so out yeah. of this too big for this conversation um 
but I'm curious, like, because there's obviously like examples where, like you said, sometimes a child might have autism or they might have sensory, you know, processing mm -hmm. sensitivities or so, and they might need different, or maybe they even might have like a, something in their, their mouth or whatever that they might need something different. And how would a parent mm -hmm. know that, I guess? Um, so the ADHD thing, I feel like I might not be the best person to help with because I did actually have a client with ADHD and I felt like I wasn't able to really help. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So maybe that, maybe that person could reach out to me. Okay. Try to help them find a dietitian who does, who does intuitive eating and is also, um, and also knows more about ADHD than I do. Um, I, I don't think that sugar is addictive. I think that people feel addicted to sugar when they're restricted from sugar, but I'm not going to, I will never tell someone, a client or a child or anything that they don't feel the way that they feel. That's really not my approach. And I feel, feel like it's very dismissive. Um, but I understand the feeling of being addicted to sugar. Um, but I really do think that for most people, I can't say across the board, it's totally true. And if it's, if it's not working, it's not working. And maybe there is some chemical imbalance and maybe they do need a different medication. I'm not, I'm totally not against that. Um, maybe you check your, check their labs, right? Like if I was back in the nursing home and we were sitting in morning meeting and we were all trying to figure it out, maybe they need an appetite stimulant. Maybe, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm just saying maybe, right. Like there, it's not that only my approach is the right approach. I'm just saying that. I don't really think that sugar is addictive and research really doesn't show that sugar is addictive. You could read, the, if anyone's interested, read the intuitive eating book. The way that they explain it is that like the same way that your brain lights up when you hear music that you like is the same way that your brain lights up when you eat sugar, right? Well, so sure. does that mean that you're, yeah. are you addicted to music? I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. So, um, but you know what? I, I have seen so many I have a lot of clients that have been on OA, Overeaters Anonymous, and they do like really strongly um, tell people like they, that sugar and white flour are addictive and they feel really, really, really addicted to it and they don't eat any of it, right? And I've had clients who have been on it for five years or 10 years or 15 years and they really felt like it was like totally like, like changed their lives. And I'm not saying that it didn't, I'm not. I'm sure they, a lot of times they say they did learn a lot from it and it did change their life in some way. But now they are just feeling so like, like, like confused and like confused with their bodies. And they, they, like now they feel like they're just like can't stop eating anything with sugar. And then they feel like they're trying to do intuitive eating. And it's like, it's just so confusing. And it's like, Listen, if you really feel like that, I'm not going to tell you that you're not addicted to sugar. I just, I personally don't think that's like a helpful belief. And I don't think that's true, personally. I don't need to believe that's true. And I have to say that I used, I know the OA definitely believes that. And I used to believe it too. I was a very like, I was like probably orthorexic-ish. And um, so I was like very into like health and healthy eating. I was like completely off sugar for like a few years. Um, and so when I first started intuitive eating, I totally been binged on sugar there's actually certain foods that i can't eat till today because i was so nauseous because mm -hmm. i eat such large quantities of them like i still remember the lotus butter i can't i can't even look at lotus, a lotus right. butter it's disgusting right. to me because i had so much i couldn't stop right 
Right. Of course you'll feel addicted in the beginning. Like I also, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't stop. Clearly I ate too much. I was like to the point of nausea. Um, right. but, but, but now, but now, like, I, I, first of all, like I barely eat, I don't, I'm not a big handy sweets person anyway. And I'm surprised by the way, by how right. little I like sugar. I used to think that I love certain, I used to think that I love pizza. I can't touch pizza. I used to think I love donuts. I hate donuts now. Right, like, right, I used right. to think that I love certain foods because I couldn't mm -hmm. have them. And I was, Right. I remember agonizing on Hanukkah if I should have a donut or if I shouldn't have the donut. Should I have the donut? Should I not? Right. Oh my gosh, for hours. And then I would take the donut and then I'd feel like I had it. And then I would be like, oh my gosh, but now and I want another one. Like I couldn't yeah. even get enough, you know? And now uh -huh. I'm, I'm the whole entire Hanukkah. I barely even eat. I usually don't even eat one donut. Right, right. Yeah. It's so, it, 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 there's so much to say about that in terms of intuitive eating. And I really think people should read it. Like if you want to start somewhere or have a podcast, get into it. Gila, Rena Reiser has a podcast. Rachel Goodman has a podcast. Rachel Heineman has a podcast. Christy Harrison. There's so much knowledge out there now on intuitive eating. Um, but I think that the, the, you're just touching on the principle of the satisfaction factor of food. So like um, when you, when you diet, you, dieting tells you what to eat when to eat and how much to eat so like cottage cheese and apples and eggs sometimes yes sometimes no right um um and then you're like uh, but you know that pizza is your favorite food and you know that you love candy and then all of a sudden um you're trying to work through the principles of intuitive eating and you're like i don't even like candy i just for 10 years i told myself never eat candy and i was binging on it or like a common one is like uh birthday cake like birthday cake is disgusting <laughs> um but like there's been so much of that like years of restricting and dieting and it's just like and you're at the party exactly what i said before about how much of your headspace are you gonna allow to be about food and dieting and weight loss and if it's if like you if right, hanukkah's coming up right what am i thinking about i'm thinking about my hanukkah parties and my siblings and my friends and whose house are we going to for a shabbos hanukkah and i don't i'm not feeling anxious about how many latkes i'm going to eat but i i did used to feel like that I did used to feel like that. And so, yeah. And our kids probably, like, believe it or not, they are also probably feeling like that. Maybe not. Hopefully, hopefully they're not feeling like that. But I can't imagine a child who's living in a restrictive home, if they're a perceptive child and they're seven plus, they're not already thinking, how many donuts are my parents going to let me eat? I'm going to binge on them at school, at my friend's house, at my neighbor's house, right? And that's like, I so don't want that for anyone. I don't want, no one likes to binge. When I, when clients describe to me a binge, they feel so out of control. They feel so out of touch with their body. They feel so sick. Why are they doing it? Because they can't, they've been so restricted. They feel so out of touch with their body. They feel whatever. There's a hundred reasons why people binge. You don't have to get into it now, but um, it's really true. Like I, I, again, I just want for people to feel calm and safe and comfortable and happy. Like food, that's like food is such an important part of life in a positive way, not in a, an addictive way, you know, not in a, in a obsessive way. I mean, yes, yes. And so uh, I noticed the time, so we probably want to round up, but yeah. somebody just said, sure. so wait, so you're saying it's not, I'm not sure if we're, we're <laughs> we were as, as clear as I thought we were, but she was saying that, so the, to consolidate it, they're like, oh, so it's not unrestricted access to sweets or like, you know, whatever you snacks or whatever it is. It's that you decide when and where and the quantity. So you, but you don't decide the quantity. That's, that's the unrestricted part, right? Right. So first of all, it's what, where, and when. 
Right. They decide how much and if any, but I, I, I want to say within reason, I want to say there is a level, maybe people don't like when I say this, but that's what, that's where the responsibility comes in. Like if you say to your kid, you could have a snack bag after dinner, that doesn't mean they could have five snack bags. Right. If you say to your kids, like, I'm just thinking we have Jolly Ranchers upstairs. Um, we love Jolly Ranchers and we have like a hundred bags in my basement. So after dinner, um, maybe, maybe the kids are allowed to have Jolly Ranchers, right? So that doesn't mean they can have all the Jolly Ranchers, including the ones in the basement. That means like they're going to split up the bag upstairs, right? So I, I think that's where like the responsive feeding comes in is that it has to function for your home. Like if you would say to your, I'm just thinking about the food that I have in my house. If you would say to your kids, sure, you could have a, you could have a Tofuti cutie. And then they're like, can I have four? <laughs> like, I don't think that's going to work in your house. It wouldn't work in my house. And I, and maybe even if it would work for a child, it probably wouldn't work for the other child. And that could cause a lot of issues. Maybe one day that could work. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it can't. Right. So here's my thing though. Here's my like issue ish with this is that like, right. So at this point I also tell my children, like I'll say, let's say like, Oh no, we need, we, we like, we want to have enough or whatever. Or we're not going to, whatever it is. You know, the problem is that when someone's just starting out this way, Mm -hmm. If they're going to say like, oh, you could only have one or, oh, you can, then technically nothing has changed. Then there's still, it's the same restriction as before. Well, a lot of moms don't provide um, any dessert during the week. I don't know if you, if you know any moms like that, but I do like, mm. or they don't even let dessert on Travis. They don't let, mm. I know a lot of moms like that, or there's a, even if they let, there's a lot of, because I see this a lot with my adult clients and I'll just, I'll just say like, there's a lot of, you could have it, but it's junk. You could right. have it, but it's, you could have it, but it's, it's disgusting. Could you pronounce the letters on the, the words on the, thinking of some moms? Could you pronounce the words on the back? Um, so they're it's just healthy. It's unhealthy, but you could have it. Right. It's unhealthy, but you could have it. So like, let's just say like with, with my adult clients who are working on making peace with food, they're technically letting themselves eat the donut, but they're berating themselves in their head the whole entire time. Right. But, but, I, but that's a very good point. Like if, if you, it has to work for you in terms of your anxiety level and for your children. I think it's a, if you feel ready to say like, I'm like what your friend did, I'm going to put out a sleeve of cookies, like a whole box of cookies and, and yes, maybe I will put out some apples and some pineapples and some cucumbers, right? And say like, okay, guys, here's dessert. Take as much as you want that's on the table. And you notice like, oh my God, my kid just had 10 cookies. And you do it for like two weeks. I mean, I think you're going to see a positive change. Correct. But if you're going to feel like really like you're going into the kitchen and you're like, I'm going to throw up. I can't believe my kid just ate all that poison. I just don't think you're ready for it. I just don't think. Like, you know what I mean? Yes, 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 yes. Yes, I totally hear that. Yeah, so I guess it's like, that's why people need, I guess, someone like you, you know, to, to guide them on their own specific journey, because it's not always as straightforward as just like, okay, let them have unlimited access. But I do believe that if you do give them the unrestricted access, just in the beginning, then it, then things balance out. What we're trying to do is like, for me, let's say I know when I, like I said, I used to diet. So like food was on, a, if I would have put an amount on how much I could have, when I started allowing myself to eat sugar, I would have, I would probably still be like, in a right. that kind of mindset till today. I would have right. never gotten out of it. I needed to be like completely unrestricted so I can just like, and then once I'm in that place, then I can start like choosing nutritious foods and doing all the like other, you know, the principles of intuitive eating. So I feel like with kids, sometimes if they're so restricted, sometimes maybe that's the first step. I don't know. Again, probably it's different for everyone. Also a parent has to feel ready for that. That's, 
probably exactly what I would say. Like, they're like the parent has to feel parents have to feel ready. Um, the the kids like you, again the, the response of feeding is checking in with your kids. So if you're feeling like what if, like, if it, it really depends on the, the whole, I have to know the whole story. But, um, like, my sessions are like, wait, tell me the whole, I need to know the whole story. But um, if, let's say, like, a child is, like, eating 20 cookies and they're lying in bed and they're like, mommy, why did you let me do that? Like, no, I feel so sick. And then they do it again the next day. Like, I don't know if I would continue doing it. Maybe yes, maybe no. Maybe, you know what I mean? Like, maybe, like, by the end of the week, they're going to learn some regulation skills. But maybe they won't. And I really do need to give a little bit more boundaries. That's where I feel like that is what that's where I feel responsive feeding has really helped me. Like, mm. oh, this is not working for like my family structure or. Yeah. This- yeah. I hear what you're saying. So like you're saying if a kid feels like they're going to vomit one day, then technically that should be like the now it's not the restriction from the outside. Now it's like them learning from their own body's experience. I mean, like, oh, it doesn't feel so good to be full to be to be fair though like it took me a while to learn that myself uh, right. because i was so tuned out of my body though but yeah hopefully but that, is it- right but okay so when you said before like so much of this is about intuitive eating it's division of responsibility and responsive feeding the goal is to raise intuitive eaters but now that so there's a lot of like not messing up your kids but now that we're the right. adult who's already messed up with food there is a lot of unlearning and like i'll always i say this like a hundred times a day to clients that like like it's a funny it's like I'm challenging them because that's my job but like they'll be like I still feel like I'm binging I still feel like I'm blah 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 right I still feel like I hate being fat I still feel like being fat is bad let's say we're working on the mindset piece so I'll be like okay so how long have we been working together I don't know three weeks how long have you been dieting 40 years for 40 years you told yourself cake is gonna kill you cake is the worst right of course you're not you're like there's just we have to work on the self-compassion and really like the unpacking and the unlearning we have to if you've always believed something for 30 years or 40 years this is going to be really hard for you even if you really believe it somewhere in your heart right yeah yeah no totally it's been a really long journey for me because i dieted for so many years yeah um so yeah so you're saying with a kid there's not so many years of that so hopefully like hopefully they'll they'll be able to listen to their body faster yeah i do do see that yes i do see that with kids i I, I see a shift in the house much faster than with the adult i do see that right that makes a lot of sense so somebody asked what is responsive feeding um we already spoke about this earlier but to just i think the way to explain it is basically that you respond to the needs of the family as a whole and to your kids within the framework like of division of responsibility like you're not going to be rigidly attached to it you're going to move you know you're going to decide right is that am i right about that yeah so it's like within a framework of division of responsibility which is you the parent decides what where and when the child decides how much and if any there always has to be a safe food on the table or offered or the child needs to be able to prepare that food and children have to be offered food every one and a half to two hours in short <laughs> i say that like every day um and responsive feeding is responding to the needs of your child and your family and yourself the dynamic um so that means that like that won't that specific those specific guidelines might need to be tweaked on some level maybe you actually do need to offer the child food every hour which like is hard for a lot of parents but that could happen um maybe you maybe um maybe your safe food changes like every day right maybe there's no safe food on the table but you go tell your child like make um, make yourself something else or you do make the wacky mac because it's just not worth the fight that does happen i do find that when when i when i it depends on my again it depends on my emotional energy like 
like if I'm going to be like so mad that I'm making the wacky Mac, like it might just like not be worth it. Right. Like I don't, I, again, like there's so much, there's so many pieces to eat. Yeah. 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 So I love the responsive piece because for me, that really takes into account, like you said, like the real needs of what, of, of everyone, including yourself, you know, right, including yes. Yeah, exactly. Someone said until what age should food be offered? Oh, basically as in like what the child doesn't choose to serve themselves. Um, no, that's a really good question. Um, we're saving the lives. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the intention. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hope it works. Instagram. Who knows? Who knows? Exactly. Who knows? Technology is, <laughs> it has its own mind. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So I used to give guidelines to the age of division of responsibility. And again, I, I no longer do because I do think that the mom or the parent or the parents can kind of pick up on when you no longer have to give any rules with food, meaning, um, your child will decide when they're eating breakfast, when they're eating lunch, when they're eating dinner. For sure, teenagers, I would say they, they could already do it. But even some kids who are super mature and you start to notice that they can figure it out, the earlier, the better. But just be cautioned that they like don't, like some kids really can't. <laughs> like some kids really will be binging because they feel like you, you said, I can eat whatever I want. So then they do need more guidelines. They do need more offering. You're in charge of what, where, and when. Um, and yeah, I think that that's a really good question. Cause I feel like, again, that goes back to speaks to the dynamic of your home and your child. Right. Right. I love that. Cause that, you're going back to the responsive piece of it's like, right. you'll, it, you'll intuit when, when your child is ready for that, you know, when they're ready to serve themselves. So technically even before they're 18, you know how you keep saying like, when your child's 18, how, what yeah. do you want the relationship really before 18? What do you want the relationship to look like? Because they're probably really serving themselves before then. Right. For sure, for sure. Like, please, I I wouldn't. I I usually tell usually, I usually tell parents that like by by teens, like by thirteen, like you're not really like you don't really have a say in what they eat. Um, again, maybe some teens do need a little bit more help, but like you really don't like. Yeah, your your teens are. I mean, my kids are. Some of my kids go out for a shopping meal already, and I'm not there. And it's it's just so funny to think like. Um, that like, if I never learned any of this, I probably would be anxious. What is my child eating at that sleepover? Like, are they like, should I pack them something separate? Like that was, I know your face. That was so me. That was so like, nutrition is everything. I'm going to be that mom. Like, like for what? Like for them to hate me and like throw it in the garbage anyways, you know? Yeah. Wow. Right. So it's really from a much younger age. We sort of, we don't really have that much time to do this kind of like thing with food or whatever. But of course, if a parent, let's say, didn't do this for their child and their children are right. Some a parent did reach out to me. said, I yeah. wish I was, kids were younger. My children are already teenagers. Like, is there anything right. to do at this point? I think we're going to want that question. Yeah. Um, I will. Tell me when, tell me when you want to go. Cause I, I'm fine. So it's totally I'm too. Also, I'm also fine. I'm just yeah. not sure that everybody else, I mean, you know, see, there's some, a lot of people here, but yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so what if it's a teenager that you've already, like, you know, done the whole, like, you can't have candy and this and that, or whatever, whatever you've done. And and so they they don't have the healthiest relationship with food. Like, it, what can a parent do at that point? Or, or, so, or, or, or nothing. <laughs> well, it's funny because I feel like you you're, you could probably answer this question or the mom or, or father or parents who are listening to this. I, if I was in session with them right now, I would say, what if you learned a different parenting model about anything and you realized that now the child, I don't want to say is messed up because of it, or but now the child has 
had ramifications because of your parenting style xyz feeding or not feeding so so are they doomed are you doomed is your relationship doomed i don't think so i think that a good parent would apologize and explain themselves and change even if your kids are teenagers listen i don't have teenagers so like who am i to say this but <laughs> but i could say i would have I probably would have loved that if my parents did that when I was a teenager, you know, and felt respected and um, felt understood. And I'm not, I'm not saying they didn't do that. I'm just saying, like, thinking about it as me as an adult now. And if I if that if I were to be a teenager, like, I'm always thinking, like, like, don't forget what it was like being a teenager. It was really hard. <laughs> but um I think that like you could totally implement this with teenagers because if you're that restrictive mom or if you're that mom that's always like, that's going to kill you or you're going to get fat. No one's going to like you for fat because like, I know that sounds like so harsh, but I've heard this all from clients. Um, you could totally change the narrative in your, in your house. You might have to work on a lot of your own stuff around food, but like, of course, part of parenting, I think you like, you'll, you'll give your insight, but if they think of, of course, part of parenting is repairing and saying like, guys, I really was trying to not let you eat candy because I thought it was good for you. But I kind of realized that I made you addicted to candy. I'm really sorry. I, I didn't mean to do that. And let's try to make a change in our home. I, I don't know. Does that sound, does that sound reasonable? Yeah, totally. I think repair is always, always, always possible, no matter how many years later it is. Yeah. And I was thinking even more than that, and depending on the relationship, because you don't want to preach to your kids. But right. Like, if you had a relationship, you know, relationship with your kid, or maybe could even ask, are you curious to hear what I'm learning? Or, you know, just so that maybe the teenager can learn through you what like the different, this new way is or whatever. If they're interested, I would never shove it down their throat. But yeah, right. for sure. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, you know? And then, and then again, if you, if you also change everything in the home, your child's witnessing that also, I'm imagining. So, right. hundred percent. Yeah. Because I have clients who tell me the opposite that like their parents were never into like, um, restricting. And then like one of their parents like started dieting and started exercising. And then my whole life changed and wow. I've heard that. So I think that the opposite could be totally true, you know? Yeah, meaning like watching a parent can totally change everything, even if it's even as a teenager. Wow, wow. Okay, so then again, there's always there's always hope. It's never yeah, never never too late. Yeah. So I think I I try to remember all the questions that people had. There were people who had questions along the way. I don't remember exactly what they were, but um, I don't see any right well, now. I wish Instagram would let you ch would let you um save the questions, but they don't, right? I know. Well, they do have a special section for for questions, but only two people put it there. Most people um, wrote their questions in the comments. I should have maybe asked them to do it there. Um, people also asked me beforehand. I hope I mentioned all of them. I was planning to print them out, but I forgot to. But I, you did I, a great I, job. I read through them, though. What did you say? I said you did a great job. Oh, thank you. I just hope I addressed people's questions. Of course, like, listen, I'm sure that people are still going to have more questions. And there's so yeah. much more to understand about this. Like I said, yeah. I think like, noticing the, you speaking listening to you i'm noticing how much relies on understanding i think intuitive eating maybe maybe i think somewhat no um maybe but yeah i guess like because i i do mostly intuitive eating counseling but of yeah. course you know a few sessions in they're like well what about my kid and i'm like well that's a different feeding model so it is usually that i'm teaching first intuitive eating to the parent and then division of responsibility for their children yes Right, exactly. So they, um, what was I going to say again? Okay, someone did actually just, just add a quick question. That's actually good. That's why I got uh, distracted. Yeah, so I do think it does help. If anybody wants to read the book on intuitive eating, I think it does help. 
to yeah. someone said any resources for adults. So there's the intuitive eating book. It's literally called intuitive eating, right? It's called intuitive eating. Get the fourth edition, the newest edition on Amazon or wherever you buy books. Right. And then obviously like you're considered a nutritionist, right? So there's nutri oh, just dietitians. Um, there's dietitians that you can go to, right? And then there's intuitive yeah. eating. What did you get a certification? Yeah, in yeah I got, yeah, sort of, uh, I'm a certified intuitive eating counselor. Yeah. Okay, so I guess there's counselors. That, what are other resources for people? Oh, um, Ellen Satter's book. Ellen Satter's books, books, right. yes, many books. Um, but again, like she does, uh, she's not. I, I have um a resource that I could share with you after if you want to post it that I got from Yafi that I actually asked her right before like a pot, a certain podcast and a certain article because again, Ellen Satter, like she didn't. I don't think it's really so much responsive feeding, meaning it is much more cutthroat and black and white which doesn't really work for everybody although i think like if there's so much like right there's so much knowledge to it, it just has to you have to figure out how it's going to work for you i am I, I am actually starting an intuitive eating um counseling group that's going to be for three months so people could they could find me here um right here gila glassberg gila glassberg intuitive rd i have a website gila glassberg.com i have a podcast but again i said there's so many other podcasts. Christy Harrison has a really good podcast. She's been doing it. Like she was one of the pioneers, I feel like. Um, and she has like 300 episodes at this point. She also has a really good book that I love and I always recommend called Anti-Diet because it really does show how to use intuitive eating practically, not just like in theory. And I feel like for so many people, they read it and they're like, this sounds really nice, but I'm just binging or whatever. Like you do need a little bit of hands holding. Um, yeah, there's so there's just like so many people now who are dietitians who are trained in intuitive eating, therapists who are trained in intuitive eating. Like I said, Rachel Heinemann um, and Yafi Lavova actually is specifically a pediatric dietitian, so you can reach out to her um, if you if you want extra support. Um, I, uh, Rachel awesome. Tuckman's amazing. Yeah, she's yeah. a therapist. Is definitely intuitive Someone just wrote a book, yeah. How to Raise an Intuitive Eater. I never heard that one. But yes. Oh, yes. I, I have to tell you something. I, yeah. I found that book really, really boring because okay. probably just because I do this all day, but I do think that it's informative. I wish I could write. I want to write a book really, really badly about how to use like intuitive eating as like a from woman or a division of responsibility. So it's on my to do list. Um, awesome. But there are really. I think that would be yeah, such a incredible resource. Yeah, I, I hope so. Yeah, okay, so I did see a, a few more questions, but I think I'm going to uh, just ask maybe like one or two of them. So it says like, so she says, let's say I decide after dinner that they can have a snack, but not candy, right? Mm -hmm. So technically a parent could do that because we decide what, where, and when. Right. right. Is she asking if that's okay? I can't see the question. I, I don't I don't think it says, is it okay? It says, um, so I decide. It just says, so I decide. Like she's just yeah. trying to Yes, yes, yes. The only thing I would mm -hmm. add to that is that if a parent always does that, meaning like never candy, only snacks, then you're gonna have a you're gonna have the same issue with like especially with snack with candy, right? So if they're always asking for candy, I would say try to do candy sometimes. Yeah, I would do. That's what I would do. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um. And then, is it okay to have certain foods restricted just for parents? What does that mean? I don't know. The like the parents only, only parents to eat chocolate. I don't know. Oh, I, I, why? Why are you doing that? Why would it, what 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 type of message are you giving to your kid that only parents are allowed to eat chocolate or chocolate's bad? I I just wonder what that message would be for a child. Is that because like 
you know, like you're sneaking chocolate because like your kids are finally in bed and they come downstairs and they see you binging on, on ice cream or maybe, or maybe you only want the ice cream for yourself. I don't know. But I just feel like, again, when going back to that modeling component of this whole model, um, I don't know what type of message that I, I'm assuming that message isn't going to be great for the kids that only mommy's allowed to have chocolate. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I would think the same thing. Um, well, the only example I can think of, which I think I saw earlier, someone said like alcohol, which is obvious only for adults, but that's for a very different reason. That's because it's actually literally is poison <laughs> and could be very dangerous for kids. And so it's a different right. story. Right. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. alcohol is different than other, other food items because that really can be dangerous for kids to, ingest 100 exactly right. exactly yeah but you're saying like they're like let's say like the very expensive the very expensive candy or the very expensive mm -hmm. ice cream or the very expensive chocolate only for parents you don't agree with that no I'm, i don't i don't not agree with that i think that you could say to your child like um this is special for mommy i i don't have an issue with that if that's why if, if that's what my question was why why are you doing that is it because okay it's, it's, it's a special, like I have, I have these protein bars for breakfast. They're the new Glow slim bars that I really, really like, excuse the name, but, um, they're, they're high in protein. I happen to like the taste and, um, I actually just buy them for myself. I don't give them to my kids. <laughs> um, is that right or wrong? I like, I don't ever see them like sneaking or binging on the, on that. And, and I have thought sometimes like, should I buy it for one of my kids? If, if I found that it was an issue, I would. Right. So, so if, if it, you find a kid sneaking it, then you'd be like, um, I think I'm just going to give it to my kid. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you have to get it. Listen, there's an expense money. How expensive a food is, is totally valid. That's a totally valid concern. Like you don't have to say like, um, like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something that's like really expensive. Like chocolate, like for sure chocolate. I don't like chocolate. I'm weird. Um, <laughs> but like an expensive ices maybe or or ice cream or something like that you could say like oh it's a really special treat yeah you could have it once in a while but it is it is kind of expensive and i'm gonna save it just for shabbos or and we're gonna have it once a week like it, it, i i don't think sometimes kids when they understand that they don't bend on it and sometimes they do so maybe that maybe just don't buy that food or maybe yeah that kid needs more um, yeah, that's about going back to being responsive. You know, if the kid is binging, I think it's such a good way to, 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 I'm just thinking this could be used in general. If a kid is binging on a certain, if they're sneaking a certain food or they binge on it when they go out of the house, then that's a clear sign to you that you need to create a, a time where there's unrestricted, more or less, access to that thing. It's just going back to like how you're feeling. Like, are you, like, a, like clients will ask me, like, um, how do I know if I feel, if I'm good with this food or whatever? I'm like, well, do you feel restricted? Are you feeling restricted? Like you don't have to eat cake if you don't feel like it feels good in your body or you feel like it's not good for you. I don't have any issues with that. But if you're going to the party and you're like, oh my God, the cake. And then you're going home and you're thinking about the cake and then you end up going to the store and buying the cake and then you binge and you eat the whole cake. <laughs> then I'm going to say, yes, I don't think that that's good for you. Please just let, you have to, you have to start making peace with cake. So it's the same thing with the kids that if, like you said, that you got to the point of such restriction that you stole money, right? And I've heard that from clients and that comes from a really, really strong feeling of deprivation, then yes, we need to change something. Definitely. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I think that's basically it. Um, I really, really appreciate your time and you sharing all like the wealth of knowledge and information you have around this topic. I really think it 
for sure parents who are here, I think they for sure got a better idea of like how to do this and what this is. And like you said, you just, you actually provided so many amazing resources. So I think that if parents want to learn more, if they want to hear more, if they still feel confused, they can always look into them. A hundred percent. Reach out and, and thank you for the opportunity. And I hope, like, I'm really excited to have you on my podcast and I, and I just feel I'm really, so, I'm yeah. So excited to be on. I'm so excited. Yeah. I talk about parenting all the time. So I'm so excited to actually talk about, well, I, I wait, are you expecting me to talk about parenting? I actually was expecting to talk about food. <laughs> I, I would love to just hear you like tell your own story and like why this specific um uh what's it called feeding model speaks to you and then we can talk about your what you actually do and how it overlaps so that would yeah. just be fun oh, okay good yeah because I, I like I, I would love to share about like my own journey with food and yeah that would be fun yeah so oh we're going to save this to or hopefully I'm gonna figure out how to do this but it's for sure being safe to Instagram hopefully um and then yeah. we're gonna try to upload it to YouTube and to your podcast as well so people can share it or hear it again yeah whatever. yeah and i love how i like totally say that we're gonna do that but i actually don't know how to do that but that doesn't mean i can't figure it out and, <laughs> <Me neither>. <laughs> <laughs> and if anyone knows how to figure out how to save a live to youtube i definitely that used to be a feature but now i don't know if it is a feature so if anyone wants to tell me how to do that and then i could for sure upload it to my podcast my other idea was to actually rec like play it and then record it on my phone because i could do that is that oh, very wow. smart? No, there's for sure other ways. To, I mean, I, <laughs> what am I saying? I imagine there's other ways to do it. But yeah, I, I'm going to look, I'm going to like go out of the live now and see my options. And hopefully I'll make the right choices so that we can upload this. Thank yeah. you so, so, so much again, Gila. Thank you everyone who joined. And I really appreciate like people who are curious and wanting to learn more about how can they can do things in their home that could work better for everyone, especially for their children. So yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for everyone for being here and have a good night. It was awesome. You too. Thank you. Good night. Bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.